Hello and welcome to another episode of the still named King of Weighted Calisthenics Coaching Cues podcast. My name is Michael. This is Lois. We are the, yeah, the coaching team of the King of Weighted Coaching. So this time coaching pitch at the beginning. Um, so if you are looking forward to uh, work with a whole coaching team, work on weighted calisthenics, advanced calisthenics, um, also powerlifting is definitely something uh, we can help you with, um, then you should definitely schedule your free consulting call on kingofweighted-coaching.com. And in that call, we just talk about everything, see if our offer is the one you need, and then hopefully we start working together and bring you towards peak performance or towards a more uh, healthy body. That's also something um, we're working a lot with in like injury correction, injury prevention. So if you have like, let's call it regular calisthenics injuries, shoulder impingements, golfers, tennis elbow, probably one of our favorites. Um, what else do we have? Low back injuries. Low back injuries. Scapular winging is, uh, is a big thing. All kinds of yeah. regular um, training related injuries we can definitely uh, help you with, at least with most of them. Of course not yeah. with all of them. So schedule the consulting call. Good. Now marketing check. <laughs> uh, <laughs> today we, um, especially I want to talk about things that I changed my mind about during, uh, let's say, the last years of my coaching career. And uh, Lois will comment on if he has the same opinion or if he has a different opinion. Um, I hope that there is some discussion because that is also the strength of us as a coaching team. Because if we would agree in 100% of the cases, we don't really need each other, of course. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see what... Um, we have to offer um, the first thing is um, actually happened um, recently I would say within the last year and that was my opinion on program complexity like mm. there was a time two years ago where I started to read a lot about the different system, conjugate programming, complex training, concurrent periodization models, uh, like the different styles of conjugate programming with Westside, uh, Wendler, like everything the, the powerlifting strength training world has to offer. And that led to a phase where um, I started to kind of overhype program complexity in terms of um, we definitely need a super long-term periodization. Uh, I need to have for every system a ton of assistance exercises. Whereas now, I rather see my job as taking complexity out of the program, out of the athlete's life and try to build programs that are easy to understand, easy to follow. Of course, there still is a long-term orientation. There still is um, a thought of periodization behind it, for sure. But um, it's definitely that the programs that I write now are way less complex and way less complicated. 
And that is something that I definitely changed my mind about, like from complexity to more simplicity <coughs> is definitely the development I feel I made within the last year, especially. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, but I have to say that we need to kind of differentiate between the general population and strength athletes who are going to compete in competitions. Definitely. So when we're taking the general population into account, I think the number one priority for them is to have fun and showing up. Exactly. So they need to be consistent and they need to have fun with their training. So having a real structured program for six months, in most cases, will not do the job because um, most people uh, can't stick with the same program for more than four weeks. <laughs> this is actually our <laughs> experience that we have made in the past. But there are, of course, other people who can stick to the same program for three to four months. And that's good. So nothing of those uh, two or none of those two examples is bad either. Um, I'm just saying that for some people, it might be a better option to plan on a month-to-month -month basis. Having the training or the program shouldn't be too complex, um, only changing a couple of variables at a time for others might work better. And when we're talking about competition or strength athletes, paradising the training makes definitely sense because you need to have different phases where you need to focus on um, different aspects of the training. So to really ensure those athletes are making proper progress <clears throat> and they're peaking on the day of the competition. And that is only possible with a nicely periodized program. <clears throat> yeah, which is definitely the main exception of this because then you need to be ready on a certain day which requires a bit of planning and complexity but yeah as exactly. most of our athletes are regular dudes that just want to learn some cool stuff and get stronger and have like at least 40 hours of work a family um also like i know the programs that you are writing and usually you also decrease it to the the least minimum effort they need to put in to make progress like we're not killing them by volume, we're not killing them by complexity, we're not killing them with the 100th external rotation assistance exercise because that's what YouTube says you need to do. Or, uh, I don't know, another um, fitness FAQ video with a new theory popping up and we're getting 10 messages of what we should change in, in, in the program. So, um, I think having... Um, the least amount of, of, of complexity is also at least what I see in, mm. in your style of, of programming yeah, to the individual needs of the athletes. The athletes. So, yeah, because sometimes or most of the time less is more and especially when we're talking about uh, volume, we have the, that inverted U-shape. So. Maybe that, something we can also put into a different... Sure, yeah, but just, yeah. just to touch on shortly, there are always 
some kind of diminishing returns at a certain point when you're doing too much and therefore finding the sweet spot um, for every individual is key in our coaching so we're keeping track of the volume that uh, our athletes get and we really start with the minimum effective volume because that is actually the safest thing to start off with because you're not overly fatiguing your athlete right away and you can really try to find the right spot what fits that person and create plans that are really suited to those individuals and also because the question probably will come how do you find the minimum effective volume it's not complicated you just start with very little volume and see if the athlete gets better if not you decrease, uh, you increase it a little bit. That's like the whole magic. Like you don't need to focus too much on certain numbers you need to achieve. Just start what compared to your training history maybe is low for you and see if that works. Exactly. Then this one, you will like it a lot. I know already. Um, this, I changed my mind about already uh, like a couple of years ago, but when I started calisthenics, I was one of these dudes, um, like, uh, it's, it's almost embarrassing to say that, but that is like, I don't need arm training mm -hmm. because like I'm doing chin-ups, I'm doing dips, my arms are growing, um, so I don't need any additional arm training. And if I don't need any additional arm training, no one needs additional arm training. So, um, so maybe I should also say why I changed my mind about it. Um, okay. I think it's, it's three, three main reasons. Um, reason number one, which is the most important, is if you're not training arms, you are missing one of the most fun parts <laughs> of the whole workout because if you do not enjoy a good arm pump, like we don't have a base of anything in life together. Like <laughs> nothing, nothing will, will work out with, with our relationship. So that is yeah. number one. Is it's really the, the adherence <laughs> of a program definitely works better for me if a certain amount of arm training volume is in. That is reason number one why I changed my mind about it. Reason number two is um, strength and hypertrophy related reasons. So you definitely cannot tire uh, like or drain the arms in a way that they can tolerate with compound movements like the arms um, from what i saw now with working with a lot of athletes and also for myself is like they can tolerate a hell lot of volume and mm -hmm. if they can tolerate this there's probably also a higher sweet spot um, in, in in volume that you should you know take into consideration to uh, increase hypertrophy and also performance mm. in lifts like dips and pull-ups whatever mm. so um, just because there is a certain amount of hypertrophy does not mean it's optimal and from my later training experiences um, and coaching experience definitely with arms often more is more <laughs> um, of course not for everyone um, that was reason number two and reason number three um, is actually health-related reasons. Um, the moment athletes and also I started to implement more arm work from different angles, meaning that you have different shoulder positions where you train arms, um, you automatically condition your elbow joint with different force vectors, with different rotations, with different 
loading demands, which conditions the joints and makes it more resilient to to load and also more muscle tissue, more resilient tissue makes you less likely to get injured. And the same carryover um, also works to a certain degree for the rotator cuff because if we're working in different positions and loading it, needing to stabilize the arm, then this of course also has a lot to offer for shoulder stability. And that is reason number three why I changed my mind about training arms. Yeah, I totally agree, especially with the last point that you made here. Um, every muscle surrounding a joint creates some internal stability. So this means the bigger the muscles surrounding your joints, the bigger your internal stability and the more likely those joints can withstand uh, certain movements or certain loads. And therefore, pump your fucking arms up, train your shoulders. Maybe you can also uh, <laughs> share your, your own experience you made with arm training yeah. and elbow problems. Definitely, yeah. And as Michael just said, I was dealing with yeah, uh, chronic elbow pain that all the time came up when I did pull-ups, dips, muscle-ups, all that stuff. And I took an extended off-season, so I really took time off those movements and I really started to strengthen the structures around my joints. And since that time, I don't need to do any mobility stuff more, anymore. I don't need to do uh, specific work for smaller muscles. Just strengthening the bigger muscles surrounding uh, those uh, joint areas does wonders. Because... And you are looking better. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me back to point number two. <laughs> Good. Um, then, let me check how long this episode is. Oh, we have a bit of time, so let's go for some more points. Mm, the, the next thing on my list is uh, core training. Um, I changed, definitely changed my mind about core training. Um, this is hard to explain because that is now highly athlete and goal specific. But um, you mentioned it uh, in, in one of our latest episodes that there is, if you are bracing good in the complex movements, if, big if, you have a structure of compound movements that really tackles the core from, uh, from different... Um, different directions you don't need additional core training um, the experience that i made also in the coaching is that this is not the case for uh, most of the athletes because they do not have a lot of actual loaded um, lifts um, they have very very little stability and especially in the kind of building phase of you know introducing them to heavier barbell lifts introducing them to good bracing patterns um, a lot of core work actually was very beneficial um, in, in working with these athletes um, so that is something I changed my mind about looking more into the athlete's life the athlete's history looking what the athlete actually needs on core stability, what the current level of the athlete is. 
and that often is a very very low level of core strength of course if we're working with like calisthenics athletes that are raised with dragon flags front levers planches handstands they do not need to do any core work because that is strong as fuck and if you introduce them to then barbell lift probably stability is good but with um like all the um other athletes coming from the gym uh, maybe also just starting with strength sports core stability is something that needs to be trained definitely from scratch and therefore i changed my mind about um, integrating core work let it be rotation stability anti-flexion work flexion work extension work like you know, core training is a very big word for uh, a ton of different uh, exercises, but um, I was pretty narrow-minded with that in the past, and now I'm sometimes narrow-minded, sometimes open, depending on, on what the athlete uh, <laughs> needs, basically. So, small insight into Michael's training plan. He has programmed uh, abs once per week. <laughs> and you can guess how many times he did that already. A zero. <laughs> the uh, the ab rollout. Yeah. Yeah, I'm usually short on time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Anything else you want to comment on that? <laughs> no, I totally agree with everything you said. Um, I was never the guy who has uh, skipped uh, his co-work. I don't like to do it, but it has to I be I never done. saw you training core, though. <laughs> Sometimes I do. <laughs> I already said in the last episode that I'm not uh, training directly my core, so that I'm using other exercises, such as compound movements, um, to work on my core stability. And, yeah, once a month I'm going to train my... Uh, <laughs> rotation a bit but that's the only thing so what I see now with like I started to to do kickboxing now like I think I had my, my fifth session today and uh, rotation is definitely something that like rotation stability rotation speed rotation Everything that has to do with, with rotating my spine is weak, very, very weak. And that is, yeah, due but, to not training it. Yeah, but when you are going to look at the calisthenics, you don't need it. There is no yeah. movement where you have kind of a rotation in it. But like it's for being, you know, a complete athlete, athlete, a complete athlete, um, that is something that is very helpful, mm. definitely. Definitely, yeah. So, because that's something that gets neglected very often. And during and our. And we continue to neglect it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. For reasons. <laughs> but if you're taking uh, your daily posture into account, for example, like we're sitting now um, more rotated to one side. When we're standing, we're standing on one foot while the other is passively resting on the floor. So, we always have some kind of rotation going on in our body which is completely normal 
we're always going to use uh, through some kind of internal rotation, external Which rotation, actually expansion, compression. The, the argument of training it more because it is yeah, definitely important yeah. in our daily so life. So it is very, very important and it shouldn't be neglected. It but no one fun. says we're perfect. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Good. Is there um, anything else? One last you? point I think right. uh, we can discuss. Um, which is also something that in, in a more specific context we will definitely also discuss in the future. And um, how do I need to, I just give me a second. Um, so I changed my mind about the style of the role or not, not, not the style, the um, the role of assistance exercises in a strength-based program. That was basically mm. something <coughs> I changed my mind a lot about. Um, and here it's now important to know the difference between assistance and variation of a certain exercise. Uh, quick sum up, as a variation, we are um, summing up all the different styles of um, like let's say dips, variation of a dip is still a dip. So if we're having a different tempo, a different range of motion, a bit of different equipment that we're using for the dip, uh, we can change a lot, but it still is a dip. And then we're talking about variation mm. of, this, um, of this lift. And I now really talk about assistance. So something, a different movement pattern you do to get better in that main lift. And in the past, I was very, very passionate about finding the most specific assistance exercise for the main lift. Uh, one example is um, that I had a phase where I was like, you know, um, if we are taking a front lever, um, good assistance exercise is the chin-up and the chin-up is better than the pull-up because the movement plane is a bit more specific. And by looking at the development of now a ton of athletes, it makes no hell difference. If you're doing like chin-ups and pull-ups, um, same goes with um, dips and maybe bench press as assistance or narrow grip bench press as assistance. Where you would say, okay, the movement pattern of the uh, narrow grip bench press is a bit more specific towards um, the dip. Um, but the, the job of the assistance exercise in a strength program is not to be specific because that's what we have the main lift and its variations for. So um, now instead of programming more specific assistance, I'd rather increase the volume of the main lift and its variations, um, you know, to, to, to fulfill these requirements of improving the technique of creating specific volume. And I use the assistance exercises to... Uh, like accumulate hypertrophy volume um, to tackle deficits in, in, mm -hmm. in certain muscle groups um, and for like health assistance. So um, counterbalancing uh, certain, certain movements. And that is something that highly changed in, in my style of programming. So it's way less assistance um, and the assistance has a more clear defined job and it's more volume on the actual main lift and its variation. But all in the context of strength, uh, strength training mm. programs. Yeah. yeah, 
So I agree with that. <clears throat> the only thing that needs to be taken into account is that most people are neglecting their assistance exercises in comparison to their main lifts. So if you like, like you mean training focus wise? Uh, yeah, training focus wise, intensity wise, and effort wise. Um, the assistance exercises are not just exercises that you're doing after your main exercises. They should be done with the same intent and the same intensity as you're going for your main exercises because um, those assistance exercises are the ones that are actually supporting those other movements. And I think to some degree they have to be specific. So you need to cover the motions um, or you need to have some assistance in the way of the motions you're using in the main exercises. So if you're having a pull-up, for example, you also need to work on your horizontal rowing. But, but that is not a specific assistance exercise. Like yeah. in the terms that I mean it, it means now that um, as an assistance exercise, the row would be um, inferior to a vertical lat pull, yeah, sure. which indeed is not the case if we're taking it as assistance exercises. So that was the point, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I agree with that, as I said. So just take your assistance stuff uh, yeah. seriously, guys. There is one big exception to this, which we might also need to cover because otherwise uh, people are going crazy. And that is if the main lift itself is basically or is a skill or a certain movement that is not designed to fulfill all the volume demands that you have. Mm. One example could be a handstand push-up and you are not able to do six to eight handstand push-ups in a row. You can maybe do one or maybe two and just three set of them and then you are tired. Then of course you need very specific assistance because the main lift itself is not um, strong enough yet to, to just uh, collect, accumulate um, a lot of training volume, which is sufficient to really bring you on the next stage. But that is not the case for most of the weighted calisthenics exercises, powerlifting yeah. exercises, so that's why uh, we didn't talk about it. But that is uh, a big exception to this, to this topic. So let me take awesome. a look at my list. Mm. Yeah, that actually covered the most. And yeah, what do you like more? The, the new style of uh, microprogramming or uh, the old street workout, uh, Michael? Uh, I don't know <laughs> how you write your programs at the moment, but I guess the newer style should be more convenient. And as we can see in our athletes, it uh, drives performance. So the outcome seems to work and yeah, just keep it easy. Don't over complex things and yeah. outsource it to us. Exactly. That would be the best thing to do. Perfect. Having said that, well, see you in the, the next, next episode. <laughs>